you've attended a wedding that I performed, you probably heard this story. You may have heard it from me here uh, at church. But um, it was uh, such a profound experience to hear it firsthand that I've tried to continue that memory on. And it was from Elder Compton. Now, I just assume that everybody knew Elder Compton. But as we go and we pass the years that it's been since he passed away, not everybody uh, does know Elder Compton. Elder Steve Aquino, he pastored at Columbia Church for many years. And Elder Aquino said that uh, there were some folks that were visiting there that had attended a while. And they saw a picture on the bulletin board, and it was Elder and Sister Compton. And they said, who's that? And Brother Steve said, I just assumed that everybody knew Elder Compton. But as the years go by, uh, that sometimes is not the case. I know that Brother Wayne and Sister Cindy knew him well. Uh, I think uh, Brother Wayne didn't, but Sister Cindy. He was, uh, God had his hand on him, and he was a remarkable man. Uh, He didn't start preaching. He wasn't ordained until he was 60 years old. And then he preached for 40 years after that, 62 years old, and he preached for 40 years. So that was pretty amazing in and of itself. After he turned 100 years of age, he preached in 21 different churches before he died in 17 different states. That also is pretty amazing that God would bless him with the mind and clarity to be able to share God's truths even after 100 years of age. One of my greatest possessions that I have is a clock. He was a watchmaker, and he would not only repair clocks, he took care of the clocks in the Capitol and the White House, but he made clocks from wood that he would gather out of the grounds at Columbia Church. And I have as a real treasured possession, Brother Phil would like this, he likes clocks, but I have the first clock that Elder Compton made after he turned 100 years of age. So it's a very special, special treasure. My mother has a clock that I took him to Texas, and my mother had a workshop there in Texas, and he and Elder, my mother and Elder Compton made a clock together uh, while we were visiting there, and that is a very special treasure. And he was about 100 at that time as well. So God blessed him in a mighty way. But one of the things that he did, and God just seemed to open up opportunities for him, is that he would seize the opportunity to give some marriage counsel to young couples. And it was a great, not just young couples, older couples as well, but especially young couples that were looking to get married. And so we were at, uh, we were in New Jersey. In, uh, and when this experience occurred, we were at Princeton, New Jersey. And there is, a, uh, uh, there is an ice cream shop there uh, called uh, Thomas Sweets. And it's an old-time familiar ice cream shop. And Einstein used to go there, it's my understanding. It's been there a long, long time, and it's got pictures of him on the wall. And uh, we were uh, having some ice cream, and we went outside, and it's right there near the grounds of uh, Princeton University. And so there was this young couple that Elder Compton noticed, and they were, um, it was apparent that they were, Brother Compton's terms, courting. And so he went over and started talking to them. And they told him that they were about to get married. And he said, well, let me share some tips with you. And he did. They didn't ask for it, but they, they were hanging on his every word. And they saw the benefit and the blessing and the value 
They didn't know that he was over 100 years old at the time. But this is what he said. He said, my wife and I were blessed with 70... He told them several things, but this is the one thing that I want to pass on to you and remind you. He said, my wife and I were blessed with 76 wonderful years of marriage. He said, when she passed away, he said, I thought that it was the end of my world. And he said, for a while, I went into a state of despair and depression after my wife passed away. We'd been together. He was 98. She was 96, I believe. As I mentioned, they'd been married 76 years. And he said, I thought that my world had ended. And he said, then all of a sudden, he said he went through a period of time that he was mourning, that he was missing his wife. Uh, I remember during that time that I would go down and visit him at his home. It was during this several week period and visit with him in his home. And uh, while I was there, I said, is there anything that uh, his wife was a great cook? Uh, she uh, I'm just chasing a rabbit right here, but make a point. Uh, she was a great cook and real simple, but he said that uh, she could add a potato to the pot and feed five more people. She just had the ability of being able to make it go a long ways. And he said she was a great cook. And I said, uh, was there anything I could get you or do while I'm here and visiting with him? He said, I would love to have some cornbread and cabbage like mom made. And I thought, well, I know how to make cornbread, but I'm not sure how to make cabbage. So I went to the nearby store and I bought a head of cabbage and I thought, well, boiled cabbage, you boil a head of cabbage. So I got this biggest pot that they had and I filled it full of water and I threw the head of cabbage in there and it cooked and I made the cornbread and it came out fairly well. But uh, we tried to cut the cabbage and some of it was soft and some of it was hard and I realized that there had to be some other way to cook this cabbage. and. And I said, well, how is it? And he said, well, it's not quite like mom used to make. <laughs> but he, he did help me, and we ate that. But nevertheless, went down to see him, and this is what he said. He told this young couple. He said, then all of a sudden, he said, God blessed me to come out of my despair. Because he said, I realized that my wife was a blessing from God. And my wife of 76 years, that was 76 years of a wonderful, wonderful blessing. And he said, I realized that a blessing is not something that I earn or deserve, but a blessing is simply a gift from God. So this morning, if the Lord would bless us for a little while, I want to talk to you about blessings. Blessings are something that we've all experienced and we are experiencing and do experience. It's something we can relate to. It's something that causes us to not think about ourselves, but to think about God. It causes us to come out of seasons of despair like it did Brother Compton, who was struggling with despair. He said, rather than be in a state of despondency, I then was able to thank God for the many years that we'd been blessed with. And he said, when, I, when the Lord, I realized when the Lord took my wife that it was the completion or the fulfillment of a wonderful, wonderful blessing. 
So that's how we ought to look at what God gives us. I think Grace and Jared have a good uh, prospect of being able to meet Brother and Sister Compton's example of 76 years. They started early. They're still young. And uh, I think that they may see that, that 76 years. God has some great things in store for Grace and Jared with this new baby coming on the scene and their family with healing both of them. It's going to be a great blessing. Second Kings chapter 2. Second Kings chapter 2. Um, this is talking about two prophets. Uh, you would almost think that in looking at the story that, that one is the father and one is the son. But it's two prophets, and it's, um, it's almost, almost like a father-son relationship. But it's kind of like, uh, it would, could almost be uh, Elisha is the son, almost, and the, Elijah the father. And it could almost be like the situation that I experienced with uh, my pastor, Elder George Johnson. Uh, he was such a blessing in my life uh, at a very... Uh, special time and uh, Mike Rogers and I, Elder Mike Rogers and I were coming up in the ministry together and he would call us his boys and sometimes he'd call us his sons and that was the the term that he would use, our, my sons or my boys and I knew what he meant, it wasn't from a natural standpoint but it was from a spiritual standpoint that he was like a father in the ministry. I talked this morning to Sister Stanlin, who was the, is the wife of Elder Vernis Stanlin, and he was such a, an example in my life. I thought that Elder Stanlin and Elder Johnson would live to be 90, 100 years old, and God took them at an early age. Elder Stanlin from COVID, Elder Johnson had lots of health problems. Elder Johnson died in his early 60s, but it was almost that same type relationship, and you'll see uh, Elijah's Elisha's response when he realizes that Elijah is soon to pass away, that the Lord is soon going to take him. He didn't actually pass away. He's one of two people that actually did not pass away, that he didn't really die. And you'll see the uh, story that occurs right here of what actually happened. But you'll, you can see the solemnness and the sadness that Elisha was experiencing when he knew that Elijah would be there no more. And it was the same with myself. I remember when they told me it, it's apparent that Elder Johnson is not going to uh, come out of this illness this time. I went to Texas and with uh, great sadness of heart, uh, visited with him in the, in the uh, intensive care room. And I knew that when I left, that would be my last time to see him on this earth. And I was thankful for his uh, influence in my life. And... I've thought many, many times since that time, I know that God is sovereign, but I really thought that, uh, that we still needed him. I knew that I did, and that God would keep him around for a long time. That's the same with Elder Stanlin, who died at such an early age. Well, you'll see the request that Elisha makes uh, regarding his, quote, father or brother in the ministry, Elijah. And he says it came to pass that Verse uh, 1 of chapter 2. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind. So even the young folks here ought to get excited about this. This is a unique experience that's about to happen. 
this individual is not going to die the typical way that other people uh, die from this life. He's not going to see death. He is one of two that actually uh, did not experience death and yet is taken into heaven. And he tells us here, he gives us a little bit of an insight as to what's going to happen to Elijah. Uh, It says that he is taken into heaven by a whirlwind. Uh, And so that's, uh, uh, I don't know if you know what a whirlwind is. Uh, Recently, a couple of years ago, I was taking, my parents and I were going to West Texas and New Mexico, we were driving. And as you drive across uh, the plains of West Texas, uh, we could see all of those, uh, they call them uh, dirt devils and dust devils, but it's, uh, it's like a whirlwind, but it's full of dirt and sand. And as we were driving out in the country, we could see them just one after another popping up all around. And you don't see them here because of the trees and the hills. You don't see the whirlwind, but it's, it's almost like a tornado, a small version of a tor- tornado, just a very, very small version. But it's, you can see them because of the dirt that's, uh, that's there, the, the dust in the, in the air. And when you see them, it just, the dust just goes up. And I, I remember mom was with me, and we saw probably six or eight at a time that was just jumping around. And it, it was really a strange uh, appearance, but it was the appearance of the whirlwind. Well, I don't imagine there was any dust in this one that Elijah experienced, but but it was the concept of the whirlwind, much like a small tornado that takes place. And it says that the uh, that uh, uh, that this was how Elijah is going to be taken up. And it said Elijah said to Elisha, "You can I, I get them a little bit mixed up when I'm talking, and if I say one the wrong way, forgive me on that." But Elisha was the one that was going to stay around. Elijah was the one that was going to be taken up in the, in the whirlwind. And he says, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. Basically saying, Elisha was saying, I, 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 I understand that you're uh, going to be taken from me. I, I understand. I've been, I'm aware of this this day, that this is going to happen. But I'm going to stay right there with you. I'm going to stay to the end. I'm going to stay with you all the way. And I'm going to be with you. Uh, and I'm not going to depart from you. And it says that, uh, and the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha. And they said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. Basically, Elisha is, the prophets were saying, Do you understand what's going to take place today? You understand that he's going to be taken from you today. And Elisha says, Yes, I understand what's going to happen. I, I, he may not have known fully what was going to happen, but he knew that Elijah, in some capacity, uh, whether it be by death or however it would be, would be taken from him that day. But he also said, and when he says, Hold your peace, I think he was just simply saying, I'm grieved, I'm experiencing sorrow, and I just simply don't want to talk about it. 
Sometimes that's where we are. We experience so much sorrow and grief that we just don't really even want to talk about it. We, uh, sometimes that's not the best scenario. And that's what he was saying right here. He was saying, hold ye your peace, meaning give me a little bit of, uh, of, of space right here. And he says, I just really don't want to talk about it. But yes, I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to take place. And then he makes a request that you'll see here in just a minute. And Elijah said unto him, unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray for thee, and for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, as thy soul liveth, this is Elisha, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Here's the second time. Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he responds the same way. He says, yea, I know it. Hold your peace. I think that's, I think that's, there's some reason that God put that in there. And I think that he was just grieved and experiencing sorrow. And he's just simply saying, I can't talk about it right now. And Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And it says, And the two went on. And then it says, And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle. Now his mantle was sort of like a cloak, if you will, sort of like a piece of clothing. And it says that he took his mantle and he wrapped it together and he smote the waters and they were divided hither and thither so that the two went over on dry ground. So this is uh, an example. This is evidence of the power of how that God had anointed Elijah. To have amazing abilities and powers. And he says that he took his mantle, the cloak that he had. And he says as they uh, came to the, the body of water, to the, the river. That it says that he took his cloak and he smote the waters with it. And it says, and then the waters were divided. So it was an example of a very miraculous experience that Elijah could only do by the blessings and power of Almighty God, by the blessings of God upon the life of Elijah. And Elisha, Elisha with the S, knew that. And he witnessed the blessings of Elijah and God's blessings upon him. And it says that it, says that it came to pass that when they were gone over... When they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, he said, Ask what I shall do for thee before I shall be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let me, or uh, he says, let me a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Basically, Elisha is saying, I desire in your departure, 
I desire that the blessings that you've experienced from Almighty God be passed down. And I'd like to experience some of those same blessings as well. And I would like a double portion of your blessings. He says, a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Now, I want to just toss this in right here because I believe that it's very important for us to think about this for just a minute. God puts special people in our life. He certainly does. You are very much who you are because of the people that God has put in your life throughout all of your life. You can look back upon your life and you can look at the people that you've experienced in your life that have made an impact upon your life. You are very much who you are today because of the people and the experiences that God has put upon uh, your life. Sister Greenfield is a great example right here. I knew her mother. I didn't have the blessing of knowing her grandmother, but I believe that Sister Greenfield sort of has a double portion of the spirit that her mother had. Her mother was a wonderful person, beautiful lady, wonderful cook, but I tell you what, Sister Greenfield has taken that and taken it to the next level, and so she's experiencing a double portion of what her mother experienced. Brother Phil, I believe we had a great example in Brother Oris Jackson. Wouldn't it be our greatest desire for all of us right here to have a double portion of what Brother Oris Jackson experienced? Wouldn't it enhance our life and be a blessing in our life to have a double portion of what he experienced right there? Elder Compton, who was such a peacemaker among primitive Baptists, it was his desire. He said, don't ever ask me to harm anybody, but he said, if I can do something to help somebody. He said, I'll do anything I can to help somebody, but don't ever ask me to hurt somebody. He wouldn't say an unkind word to anybody. And what a blessing it would be if we had a double portion of what Elder Compton had along the way. What a great blessing that would be. God has put special people in our life, our parents, our grandparents, our children, and others and they've touched our lives and they've made a difference in our lives in such a way. I was talking to uh, an individual, not here, someone in Texas. I was talking to an individual and uh, this, uh, this sister's husband was such a wonderful example and a wonderful blessing. And she said, you know, she said, my, my children, and I understand everybody handles death differently, but she says, my children, uh, just, they just don't even want to talk about it. And it's been several years now. They don't want to talk about uh, their father and the loss of their father. And I thought to myself, I knew him. He was a great man. And they are very much who they are because of him. And he can live on through them. And that's how God blesses and God works it and God arranges it that way. That those that pass from this life, they lived and had such an example. Hebrews chapter 11 and chapter 12 talks about the examples of faith that they are for us and that we can look back upon their lives and they're so much a part of our life that, that I thought they're actually missing a blessing if they're not taking and seizing those lessons that they learned and the blessings that they received and then uh, uh, utilizing them in their life 
if they're not taking those blessings and utilizing it in their life, they're missing a great blessing because they had a wonderful example of a godly father that was just a, a great inspiration to so many people. And I believe that, that yes, when people pass from this life, sorrow is real. But we sorrow, we don't sorrow as others which have no hope. We sorrow as those that have hope in Christ. And that means we sorrow for a season. But we just don't, we don't live in sorrow the rest of our life. We will miss the uh, brother or sister or father or grandparent. We will miss them. And our life is different. But yet we know where they are. And we also know we're going to see them again. And it's going to be a happy reunion when we see them. And so God would not have us to live in a state of despair the rest of our life. Not as a Christian. If you're not a Christian, then you have no encouragement. You don't have any hope. There's not anything better to look forward to. It's only this life. But the Christian has something to look forward to. Yes, we experience sorrow, but we don't experience as those that have no hope. So we are to take the life that God has given us, however many years it is, 50, 60, 70 years, 80, 90 years, and we should say, God, how can we best use those years to serve you? And God, can we take the lessons that we learned from those that were around us? Can we take them in our life? Can we use them in our life to bless and benefit other people along the way? I talked to a dear sister that I used to go to church with. She's now 80 years old. This tells you how old I am. She's 80 years old. I had the funeral for her mother. I knew her mother really well. I even knew her grandmother. Her grandmother be well over 100 now. But I knew her and she was such a blessing. And we just enjoyed, as I was traveling back from New Jersey, just enjoyed reminiscing about the blessing of her mother, how that she had blessed her life, she blessed my life, even her grandmother. She said, my grandmother, uh, her husband was killed in a car wreck at... Um, at an early age and she said they had a little farm and said my grandmother raised five children and she said the youngest was six months old and the oldest was 10 years old and she raised all five children said they were poor as they could possibly be but said they didn't know the kids didn't even know they were poor because they thought that everybody was that way but what an impact she made I knew the dear sister she was a faithful faithful sister great great example well, we want to finish this story right here. It's really, really good. It's Second uh, uh, Kings chapter 2 if you want to go on and read it. I love this story. I think it's so, I think it's neat. I think it's a really neat story here. And, and I, I, I think it's a neat experience to, to see. Elisha was no doubt mourning that he would not experience the same relationship with Elijah that he had experienced up to this point. But when Elijah said, is there something that I could give you, a blessing that I could, that could, be, that I could ask that might be bestowed upon you? He said, I would like to have a double portion of what you have, a double portion of your spirit. So look at what he said. And it came to pass. Now this is... I can just imagine what it must have been like in my own mind. I, I mean, I believe what it says here. It says, and it came to pass as they, as it says, and it came to pass as they still went on and talked that behold, I think this is, I think this is so neat. Now, first of all, 
Elisha was really quiet for a season. But now it says that as they were journeying along, they were talking. It doesn't tell us what they were talking about, but it tells that they were interacting along the way, that they were talking along the way. And it says, um, as they went on, it says, and as they went on, they talked, and it says, and behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire. When I read this, I wonder if this is where the song came from, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, that Brother Tom Reeves was so good at leading. I, I, I miss him leading Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. Bray's got it down. I hope that Bray will keep it on and, and continue it. But I, I wonder if this is where that song started. It says, and as, they, as it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And it says, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven and Elisha saw it and he cried, my father, my father. It wasn't. He said, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And it says, and he saw him no more. Elijah was taken up, it says, by a whirlwind, by a chariot and horseman into glory. That, that just is such. I'm so thankful we have that, um, the story to pass on and to share. What a, what a neat experience that Elijah experienced right there. And it says that he took up the mantle which Elijah, the mantle, the cloak, that fell from him. And you remember his request was that he have a double portion of the spirit of Elijah. And it says he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. And it says he took the mantle of Elijah, representative of the Blessings and power and spirit that God had put upon Elijah. It says, and he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. And this is Elisha that's doing this. Elijah is in glory. And said, where is the Lord God? This is Elijah saying this. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And it says, when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither. And Elisha went over. So here is, um, I, I, I believe we can interpret this as being a confirmation that yes, the spirit of Elijah was passed down. The blessings of Elijah was passed down upon Elisha. That when Elisha went to the water and he called upon the Lord God, it wasn't the power that Elijah had, but it was what God gave him. And he knew that it was the Lord that gave that power. And he calls upon the Lord and he says, where's the Lord God of Elijah? And it says, when he had spent in the waters that they parted hither and Elisha went over. And it says the prophets, it says the prophets that were there and it said there were companies of 50. It says the prophets that were there, they were standing afar off. 
And they witnessed what Elijah, they, 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 I'm not sure to what degree they witnessed Elijah's experience, but they witnessed Elijah's experience of parting the water and seeing that the power was upon Elijah, that God had also placed blessings similar to what Elijah had upon Elisha. And it says that, uh, it says the sons of the prophets which were to view at Jericho saw him and they said the spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet them and bowed themselves to the ground before him. And then it comes down and it talks about one more blessing that he had right here, uh, experience that he had where the water was uh, not drinkable. And it says that they called upon Elisha to, uh, to uh, bless the water uh, to where they could have water to drink. And God did bless him with the power to restore that water to where it was uh, palatable and drinkable. And it was another example in chapter 2 of God's hand upon uh, Elisha. It is. So we had the example right here that God placed blessings upon Elisha. He used Elijah in his life as an example. He desired that the blessings that were upon Elijah, that the hand of God be upon him in his life as well. Blessings are a gift from God. The Spirit of God, the blessing of God is a gift from God. He's sovereign in how he bestows his blessings upon us. But we each have so many, many blessings to be thankful for. I look at these young couples and even some older that are blessed with children. And what a wonderful blessing it tells us in Psalm 127 that children are a blessing from the Lord. And it says that happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. And what a great blessing that children are. Yesterday at the funeral service of uh, Brother Kenny, I had the blessing of talking to Brother Van and Sister Abby. And I said, guess what? I got told your grandson last Sunday. And Sister Abby said, well, I'm, I haven't got to hold him. And she told me how long it had been. And, and you could tell she was missing. And I said, well, why, I, why don't y'all just come down tomorrow to church and you'll get to hold your grandson? And Brother Van said, we'd like to, but says we've got two baptisms today at Southampton and we feel like we need to be there. But what a blessing that children are to parents and to grandparents. They're a tremendous blessing. Children are a blessing from the Lord. And if you've been blessed with children, then you just simply need to thank God for it and give God the praise for the blessing that you have of children. Parents are a blessing from the Lord. There's, there's nobody in this life that's going to care for you and want the best for you more than your parents do. When you're sick, Sister Jackie, your mother's sick. I mean, she shares, she shares what you're going through. I know because she comes to church and she'll pour out her request and ask us to pray for you. And that's just the example of how it is when, when your children are sick, then you experience it as well. I don't know. You might even experience it more. I'll never forget going to see old sister Polly Edwards. She was old. She was about 95, 96. She lived up here on Route 22. And 
her son was having open heart surgery. He was about 75. She was 96. She wasn't able to go to the hospital and be there with her son while he was having open heart surgery. He, he was very, very sick. She didn't know if he'd make it or not. And so I went and sat with Sister Polly while her son was having open heart surgery because she couldn't go to the hospital. She said, oh, Brother Steve, she said, I'd give anything in the world if it was me that's on that operating table instead of my son. She was experiencing what he was experiencing, even though they were 30 miles away from each other. You could just sense that she experienced exactly what he was experiencing. So from a natural standpoint, it's a great blessing that God blesses you with children, grandchildren. It's a great blessing that God blesses you with parents. I'll never forget when we had the funeral service for Sister uh, Pearl Lowry, that her three sons honored her by walking up to the casket. And they said, we were blessed. We were blessed. God blessed us with godly parents, with a godly mother and a godly father, and we were blessed. And I thought, what a tribute to their mother. What a tribute. So God blesses us in many ways that we sometimes fail to, to uh, remember. He blesses us with wonderful families. He blesses us with a lot of friends. What a great blessing that friends are. Uh, many of the blessings that you have in your life are blessings that you have through friends. In Proverbs, it tells us that a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Then it says, and there is a friend, by the way, that sticketh closer than a brother. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. But he says that a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. So if you want to be more like Brother Danny and have a whole lot of friends, then you just simply need to be friendly. Brother Danny has friends in just about every state. He doesn't even need to rent a hotel when he goes to a different state. He's got so many friends that he can stay with them for a long time and good friends. And he's just got a lot of friends. And the reason he's got a lot of friends is because he's friendly. If you want more friends, you just simply need to be friendly. In fact, you can look for ways to reach out and to minister to folks. And it's just amazing the doors that God will open up to you if you want to find an opportunity to minister. Um, what a great blessing that family and friends and our life is. But really, probably the, the greatest blessing that we have as Christians and children of God is that God thought about us each one of us in his own mind from before the foundation of the world. He thought about you before your parents thought about you. He thought about you from before your parents even were in existence. And not only did he think about you, but I believe there's good evidence because you're here that he had favor upon you, that he favored you. The scripture gives the example that God loved a vast number of people and he shed his love upon them. And that's something that we oftentimes take for granted, but he thought about you and his thoughts toward you were good and that he loved you from before the foundation of the world. He thought about you from before your parents did. 
He thought about you from before this world was even in existence. And He determined and arranged your destiny through His Son. He knew before we were even born that we were going to be sinners. And that there was going to be a great need for a Savior and deliverance. And therefore He arranged to have His own Son pay the price for your sins and mine. And so one of the greatest blessings that we could possibly experience is that not only that God thought about us, but He shed His love upon us from before the foundation of the world. And then that He loved us so much that He placed your sins upon His Son. And Jesus Christ took them to the cross and He bore them and He died for our sins. And the good news is that Jesus Christ Himself arose from the grave, victorious. And His resurrection is the example and the confirmation that our sins have been paid for and they've been paid in full. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. Um, there were several ministers that spoke at Brother Kenny's service. And, 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 and there were some that had a different understanding than we have about salvation. And they expressed that. And... I am thankful that we believe that Jesus Christ paid all the price and He paid it in full. And it doesn't depend upon anything that we do or any acceptance that we do that He's the one that accepted us. Jesus Christ paid the price for your sins upon the cross of Calvary and because of that you're going to live in heaven someday. And so one of the great blessings that we also have is that we're told in Romans chapter 8 that we that are justified and chosen in Christ and foreknown by Christ, that we're also glorified by Christ. So the good news is that when you get a little bit discouraged and a little weary along the way, when the way gets difficult, the way gets hard, when you get a little bit frustrated, realize that in light of eternity, it's just a very small time. Even if we experience great struggles and afflictions here in this life, it is a very small time. It may be big to us at the time. It may be the largest thing that we've ever experienced. It may be the greatest discouragement that we've ever experienced. But realize that that's only for a short season. And when you take that, that small challenge that seems big at the time, and you plug that into eternity, it sure does minimize what we're experiencing and going through in light of eternity. And so one of the greatest blessings that we experience for the child of God to know that your sins have been paid for, that Jesus Christ remembered you, that Jesus Christ cares for you, is the good news is that Jesus Christ is coming back for you. I don't know if he's going to come back in a chariot of fire. I don't know if you're going to go up in a whirlwind. He may make a special arrangement for you to do that. But whether or not he does, he's coming back for you. I do know that. Whether or not He comes back while we're still living, which He's promised that there will be some that are living upon this earth when He comes back, or whether we pass from this life and we're in the grave, no matter where we are, no matter what our condition is, no matter uh, how our body finally, ultimately decays, no matter where it is, God knows where we are and He's going to gather us up and He's going to change us and make us like 
himself and he's going to present us in glory and he's going to present us spotless and without blame and without sin and there we're going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ who paid the price for our sins forever and ever. So if you get a little bit discouraged along the way, if you get a little bit sad along the way, if you get a little bit mad along the way, if you get a little bit angry along the way, you just simply start counting the many blessings that God has bestowed upon you. And I tell you what, it'll pull you out of that in in a quick season. My pastor, Elder Afton Richards, he's with the Lord right now. I only knew him for a short time, but he made such a tremendous impact upon my life. He said, if you ever get down, he says, you just simply start counting your blessings and name them as the songwriter says, one by one. And he says, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. I'll tell you something that helps me. I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to give you a share a secret with you right here. I oftentimes, I'll take a, my memory is extremely short. I'll take a legal pad, uh, an old yellow legal pad. You may have a white one, whatever works for you and get you a pen and just start writing down the blessings that God has bestowed upon you. And it will amaze you what blessings that God has given you. You, if you have some struggles and challenges, you can list them on the other side. But I guarantee you, if you're true to yourself, if you're honest, you're going to have a lot more blessings on one side than you are of challenges and prayer requests and troubles on the other side. The others are real. But I'll also tell you, you write those down on the right side, the challenges and struggles and prayer requests that you have, and you take them to the Lord. And then you go back in about a month and you look at how many of those you can check off. That God has intervened in your life. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. God bless you.